Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Ageline. And I'm Gracie. And this is a podcast where we talk about movies. We put them to both feminist and inclusive tests. And this week, we are doing the movie One Week. You know, the music video by the Bare Naked like the Ladies. Song. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that's the joke you were going to go with. Um, chicken to China, so the Chinese chicken. You have a drumstick and your brain stops ticking. Yikes. Watching X Files with the lights on. Lily Maison. No, no, no. Um, so this is the <laughs> last week of Canada Month. And uh, this all of these movies this month, Ageline picked. I did not have a single uh, input value at all with any of these movies. And that's the way it should be. <laughs> I mean, Usually what? we compromise on the kind of movies we're going to watch, but this month it was not that. And uh, that's why when my birthday month comes in December, we're not doing any Christmas movies this year. Fuck it. I don't want to do one. <laughs> it's only fair. I'm going to I'm going to somehow convince you to do an extra Christmas movie. It better be a Christmas movie I enjoy because my birthday month is going to be 90s movies because I'm a 90s kid and 90s kids always remember. That's why we're going to do Jingle All the Way or Fuck The Santa you. Claus. Um, but no, so this is uh, one week. It came out in 2008. I'll give you some stats and then we'll go through the movie together. Um, so this was an independent film. Uh, had a budget of $2 million, box office of 800000 The Rotten yep. Tomatoes score is 50% critical, but they don't actually have enough ratings on critical or audience to really give you a value that's just what it is based on like the eight reviews that rotten tomatoes had of it well um, i can say as somebody who loves this movie 10 out of 10 five stars yes uh, um <laughs> so it was directed by michael mcgowan who also directed still mine he's done uh some episodes of murdoch mysteries and everyone's favorite Tudor TV show, Rain. Oh, did he? Yeah, he directed some episodes of that. Oh, man, you must fucking love that. Ugh. Well, like, this is a much better... That's like your favorite TV show, right, Gracie? <laughs> yeah, I just fucking love the prom dresses that are, you know, coat... Digi- what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Whatever. Couture? No, I hate that. I hate that TV show so much. So um, much. <laughs> fun fact, he graduated from the University of North Carolina, which good is kind of close to South they Carolina. Really they have a really good film program. Yep. Um, it was written, it was also written by Michael McGowan, and the story was by Marguerite Pagot, who also has worked on the TV show Bomb Girls. Oh my um, god, I fucking love that show. Yeah, she, they're coming out with a movie about Bomb <gasps> Girls. So. I love yeah. that show. That movie's gonna be amazing. <laughs> um, so, there isn't really a cast. Um, the two main people are uh, Joshua Jackson, who plays Ben. He's going to be in the miniseries adaption of Little Fires Everywhere. Um, he was also best known as being Pacey from Dawson's Creek. 
He was also in the TV show Fringe, which is really kind of popular. I've never watched it, but... I didn't watch it either. That's why I didn't put it. Okay, well... I at least knew him as Pacey. Yeah. Um, um, go on. Peter Spence plays the doctor. Um, he was in a movie called The Bay Boy and The Truth About Alex. His name sounded familiar. I'm I'm sure I've seen him in things, but I couldn't tell you off the top of he my head. He was in Crimson Peak. Yeah, uh, that was the movie episode. by Guillermo del Toro. Right. Yep. Um, Campbell Scott is the narrator. He was in Roger Dodger, um, Singles, and Amazing Spider-Man 2. So, cool. Yeah. Let's talk about this movie. Now, uh, what about the chick that was in it? She was I, in... I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't write her name down. Oh, okay. Well, um, her name is... God, I can't pronounce it. Maybe that's why I didn't put it down. It's uh, Leanne um, Balaban, Balaban, and uh, she's been in like a few movies and stuff, but uh, she was also in Supernatural for two seasons, I think. Ah, as okay. uh, Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so... The thing about this movie is not necessarily that it has a huge plot. More of a thinker kind of movie. Because the plot is very simple. Guy gets diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. Decides to go on a road trip to find himself. And that's it. That's the plot. Um, But I do think there were a few moments that really stood out. So, I mean, like... For example, the beginning of the movie is him finding out he has stage four cancer. And then, like, he has a hallucination that a bird hits a window and he shoots himself in the head. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah, because, like, you know, this is a pretty um, big point for anybody's life that he has stage four, uh, like, cancer. And, you know, he should be on treatment, like, right away, right? So his... Uh, it discussed like his first few thoughts, which was to cancel the wedding, uh, that he didn't have to grade papers because he's like a middle school teacher or something or an elementary school teacher in Toronto. And um, yeah, and then there was something else. And then it kind of like goes a little bit into his backstory about, um, you know, like how, you know, when he was born and, um, you know, what some of the things that you know, um, changed his life. Uh, one of them being that, um, he was caught picking his nose on the baseball field and was called out for it, you know, cause we've all been there. Um, and that a teacher told him that he could not sing because he did a picture of, uh, making fun of her huge ass. Uh, so then he said he was never going to sing ever in public again. Um, and then, there was one other one. Oh, and like he wanted to write a novel and he did, uh, but he sent it to like a bunch of places and uh, nobody and he was took it. it over and over again. Yeah. But then it like says if he would have sent it to like this other place, he would have been accepted. But he, yeah. But he <laughs> never fucking did it. So and yeah. I guess Which- it's like. If, yeah. If you've ever been in publishing, querying is the worst part. 
you know, everybody's like, oh, the writing's the worst part. And then they're like, no, the editing is the worst part. But honestly, it's querying and finding an editor and a publishing house that will take you. Because, let's be honest, nine of nine out of ten of those Amazon self-published books really did not need to be published. <laughs> What are you talking about? I love that one about uh, the hidden world in uh, his girlfriend's vagina. I brought that up on a stream the other day. I was watching, uh, uh, I think her name's Legend of Phoenix or something like that. Um, But she's actual Jake on Twitch's girlfriend and she does like live art stuff. And she has a smaller audience than her boyfriend, so they, you know, they were just having a, you know, discussion, and we got on the topic of books, and I brought that up, and she was like, Jake, have you ever heard of this? This is horrifying. It's <laughs> because, a- because, I mean, it's about a guy that shrinks down and goes into his girlfriend's vagina because a skeleton had come out of it, and then, like, while he's down there, she cheats on him, and, like... He's in there, and there's a village of, of fucking people in her fucking vagina. Yeah, and, and she like, and he finds him. And, and, yeah, she cheats on him, and then he almost uh, dies in a flood of sperm. Well, do, oh my god, what? Yes. No, girl. Okay. Yeah, I know. Um, I did. But doesn't read he it. find like a fairy girl or something that like lives in the vagina, and he falls in love with the? Yeah. Like, I didn't read it. It was... Someone was kind enough to make a very detailed synopsis. <laughs> Holy uh, fuck. But that's beside the point. Okay, but, you so... you know, like... You know, he's queried and queried and queried, and he finally just fucking gave up after, like, 50 rejections. But, you know, if he'd have just done it one more time... Then you know? he would have got it. But anyway, so on his way home, um, he encounters an older guy... Um, who is selling his, um, his motorcycle, which is, uh, a 1973, uh, Norton Commando. And, um, he decides to, to buy the micro, uh, the motorcycle, despite the fact that his girlfriend despises motorcycles. Uh, and then he also gets himself a Tim Hortons coffee. Um, so... For all you Americans out there who have no idea the significance of this, um, we have a contest every year called Roll Up the Rim to Win. And uh, you roll up the win- the rim and you can win like a donut or a coffee or like a car. Um, but he rolls up the cup's rim and he is to see if he's won like a prize. But the message only says, go west, young man. You know what it reminded me of? It immediately triggered this country song I know. Really? Yeah, where the lyrics are, Go go west, young man, haven't you been told that California's full of whiskey, women, and gold? Well, like, this this movie made me want to, like, move west um, and, like, drive across the country. Well, you did. I did after that. Well. completely. I mean, at the time, I I did, because I did go to... This was before I met Gracie, or, like... Um, but I did go to uh, Vancouver Island, and I was living there for, like, two months before I caught lupus and uh, almost died. 
Um, and I will like discuss a little bit more about why this movie is so significant and why like this is my favorite movie of all time. I fucking love this movie. Uh, and I will get into it a little bit more. Um, yeah. But he breaks the news of his cancer to Samantha. Um, and his uh, yeah, his fiance. Uh, and then he's like, I'm going to go and, you know, take a take a drive on my motorcycle. And she's like, no, you need to fucking get into, you know, um, treatment like immediately. What the fuck are you doing? And he's like, yeah. yeah, I need to go on an adventure before I become a patient because going into hospitals is it's fucking awful. It is. It is hell being in a yeah. hospital As for someone, a long time. Um, I, I've never, thankfully, uh, had any form of cancer or anything like that. But I've seen my mom go through it twice. I've seen like right now my sister, she has breast cancer. So that's. You know, a lot of fun. You know, like, she's God lover. She's one of the bravest people. You know, anyone that has to deal with that shit is brave as fuck. You know, like, that's a lot. And she has a six-year-old. So. Jesus. It's it's frightening. You know. Um, and it's scary to me because, like, my mom's had uterine and ovarian cancer. And um, uh, squamous cell carcinoma, which is a form of skin cancer. And then, uh. You know, my sister, she's got breast cancer. And so it's like me, I'm 27. And even though they say, you know, start looking at 30, uh, like I, I've been doing cancer screening since I was 25 because I'm just scared to death because one of my cousins got ovarian cancer when she was 26, you know, Jesus, it's fucking frightening. (laughs) My gene pool is amazing. (laughs) Um, but Uh, like I've been in hospitals for 10 days at a time, uh, when I got sick with lupus twice, uh, funny enough, I was in BC each time. Um, I was, I was with you the second time, not with you, uh, with you physically, but in spirit. Yeah. Well, like the first time I was living on Vancouver Island in Victoria and then I went to the hospital and then I had like moved around the country a few times and then I moved back to uh bc like northern bc and then i went into the hospital in prince fucking george so like that's why i'm like oh i want to move to bc but oh fuck my lupus is gonna come back i swear (laughs) um but (laughs) yeah ashley when she told me her lupus story she said the best thing about it was she loved house and and the joke on house is that it's never lupus so when they told her she's like but it's never lupus it's true i did i said that to the doctor who by the way looked like house and he was also a nephrologist which is a kidney doctor which house house is a kidney doctor um and like i said that i was like but it's never lupus and he was just like um well in this case it is and i was like (laughs) oh um but you know what you gotta find the humor that's a, basically my entire time like the first time I was in the hospital for lupus was like me laughing uh, because my dad and my mom are all about the dark humor my dad more so than my mother but they're both like actually funny people and like the sh- my dad trying to explain lupus to me was like yeah well you see your army of like your immune system are idiots and they're attacking themselves so you're like the Prussian army. And I'm like, oh, God. Okay. 
Um, but anyway, so uh, he asks Samantha to come with him, but she refuses, and he uh, ultimately sets on his journey to Toronto. Um, so that means he misses like um, an appointment, and uh, because of that, the nurse. Uh, was able to walk very quickly to the train station. And because of that, she was not one of the casualties of uh, this awful um, accident that happened in uh, Etobicoke, which is just outside of Toronto. Um, so it's crazy. Right? They, they had like which these weird side plots. A, that seems to be a theme that every person that manages to come in contact with him somehow has a good experience that they might not have had if they hadn't met him or had not met him. Like the nurse never meets him. So she goes home early. Um, you know? Yeah. And then later on, it's like, he meets a woman who, uh, who ends up based on, you know, what he tells her, you know, she gets this like wanderlust and then goes to visit her son and then ends up finding the love of her life after two failed marriages. And yeah, uh, the, so, the you're, you're get- couple. Well, I mean, this this movie is a bunch of snapshots, basically, right? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of back and forth, so I don't see how me talking about the differences is a bad thing. Okay, I mean, so yeah, and then there's the German couple that, uh, the picture that he took, you know, uh, helped them have a long, happy marriage. Yeah. And, and and while he's on this trip, he's thinking back to, like, his relationship with his fiance. you know? Like, the part where he's describing the best things he loves about her, and he's like, her left hip bone. Well, not, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with her right, it's just her left hip bone. Is perfection, and then... Perfection. There was, like, a few other her things playlists. that... Yeah. Um, I forget what else. I, I have them. Um, okay. It's her left hip bone. Her playlists, her parents, her underrated ability to give him little notes of wisdom that don't make sense but do make sense, and the fact that she developed an interest in golf just because he liked golf and is willing to suffer through old people in Japan doing it. Which I think is a very sweet sentiment, you know? Yeah. Like, because it is in a relationship, I assume, uh, because... I am no longer in one, uh, but it is the little things. So it always is. Yeah. Um, so early on in his trip, he starts to like question the trip's worth, uh, and he gets up to I want to say like just past Perry Sound, which um, Perry Sound's like a few hours uh, north of Toronto, um, and it is where Bobby Orr is from, who was. Um, one of the best defensemen for the Boston Bruins. And I know that because my dad is a huge fan of the Boston Bruins. That is his hometown. Uh, he's on the sign. I know like Gracie has no, like has no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, but that's how this is anyways. <laughs> um, so he gets like passed up there, but then he like decides to turn back to Toronto Um but he stops in, in Perry Sound, and that's where he encounters two men who are biking from Newfoundland, which is very far away, to Vancouver over a case of beer. And they have to, like, spend uh, $400, um, and they can't get that's any it. help from anybody. And, it, it like, it, it's an insane 
wager, but I guess they were shit-faced because newfies. <laughs> they sounded Irish. Yeah, newfies. That's, <laughs> it that's... was funny. I know. I was like, this is amazing. This is something some dumbass college kids would do, though. Yeah. But, like, the fact that they were sticking to it shows they have honor. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so... And then they're like, and then like he questions it and he's like, well, you know, like, why are you even doing this? And they're like, eh, whatever, we're going to just Case continue on. <laughs> um, so uh, and that, yeah, and it, well, it is a yeah. pivotal moment because uh, for him, he's like, well, I'm just going to continue on then. Like, if these kids can fucking do this thing, then, you know, why can't I, you know, do my little day trip to wherever the fuck I'm going? Yeah. So. Um, so, of course, while he's going along, one of the things he wanted to do was see basically every <coughs> big, like, the largest whatever, because he likes the story behind each one, because they're so ridiculous. Like, the world's largest fire hydrant, or the world's largest, uh, you know, mural made of pictures. And I thought it was funny, because I thought that was only an American thing. Like, the entire idea of Route 66 is these dumbass, big, huge tourist traps, like, no. the biggest, you know, the biggest uh, ball of yarn or string no, this is, or whatever. No, this is something, like, clearly across Canada. Like, you you really have, um, I, I thought it was just a weird Canadian thing, but, like, everywhere in Canada has some, like, weird landmark that is huge that a lot of people go to. Um, for example... Um, when I was living in St. Paul, their touristy thing is they have the only UFO, uh, landing pad in the world. And it's just one of those things that they made in the sixties. Uh, and there's tons of other, like they are clear across Canada. Uh, Sydney, Nova Scotia has a giant violin, um, like just to like name you know a thing but we have a whole website devoted to each town's like strange landmark and like large thing uh one of the ones that was featured in Kenora Ontario is Husky the Muskie which was that big fish uh and like I mean I I lived in Kenora for for a year growing up and like it's fucking Husky the Muskie and we fucking love it (laughs) Like, that's just how it is. And it's along, uh, a good chunk of these are along the Trans-Canada Highway, which is the highway that goes from uh, Newfoundland to Victoria, B.C. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, I think it's the the longest uh, highway in the world. Like, continuing highway. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One of the stops he goes to, uh, he pulls out this book about finding grumps and his fiance had left a note on it that was like I can imagine you reading this to our future kids so he sees this and he freaks out and he calls his fiance he's like are you pregnant and she's like god no like I wouldn't leave it in code for you like I tell you it was basically like a saving grace for you to come back home and he's like oh well thank god um and then he kind of hangs up on her and then he starts reading the book aloud and now hits his mission to go across Canada and find one of these mythical grumps. And what I really like about this 
is the question that's asked about when does your childhood end? When do you stop thinking about stuff like that? You know? And it's it's not anything conscious. Well, it's for 90s kids, it's never because we're still grown-ass children. Yeah. Like, that <laughs> sense of imagination. Some people do lose it, you know? But Ashley and I are a lot like Anne of Green Gables. We're Anne Shirley. We have an imagination and we're going to have one till the day we die. Honestly, yeah. like, I, I really get myself down sometimes about the fact that, you know, I'm very child... Like, I'm a very childish person, right? But um, I, there is a part of me that's like, oh, well, that's not a bad thing. Like, anybody who, you know, uh, thinks that or, like, doesn't like me because I'm childish will, like, to hell with them. Um, But there are times where I'm just like, I need to fucking, like, grow up. I need to, like... But, I don't know. I mean, I like me whatever yeah i i think one of the things that you get told when you're younger is you know you will feel like an adult eventually i'll be honest like when's that gonna happen yeah i'm 27 years old and it's like that tumblr thing that i see sometimes where it's like have you ever you know like have you ever thought to yourself that you need an adult but you are an adult but you need an adultier adult (laughs) Because that's what it feels like. Like, I never felt like, I mean, I still feel like I did when I was in high school. Like, obviously, there is some maturity there. Like, I know, you know, how to make a decision and I have to make conscious ones. But at the same time, like, I love to have fun. I I still enjoy the things I used to do in high school, like role playing and, and, you know, and, and reading and, you know, just hanging out with my friends and playing Uno or something. It's like, you know, you... Does this mean that I'm not a good adult? I mean, I do adult things, but I'm also not afraid to be a kid at heart. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I don't know. So, I, I, th- I thought it was a good question. Um, so he starts to begin to, like, question his future with Samantha. And he recalls, like, uh, you know, their discovery when they were planning the wedding of their religious beliefs. And the fact that he is an atheist. Um and she's like, well, why, like, why don't you have any beliefs, right? And uh, he ends up, like, having a conversation with her, um, which the only thing I could focus on was the dog in the background for some reason. Like, that was a cute-ass dog. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, essentially, he, uh, what we find out is, like, the reason that he doesn't have any central belief is because he would pray and pray and pray and it would seem like he just wasn't on God's wavelength. He wasn't and it's funny because I used to think like that all the time. Like I thought I was just super bad Christian because I would never ever feel that connection that other people would around me. Uh, Well I mean you also grew up in like a heavily Christian and, and but I feel that too though like when there are times where like fuck I will pray but that I don't I don't know I don't have that like weird whatever people are you know believing in God or something and I mean like definitely during the times when I'm desperate I will pray to you know God but um I'm also like man I'm like a really bad Christian or whatever the fuck I am because I kind of consider consider myself more of an agnostic person Mm -hmm. um because I'm never gonna know what the fuck's up there. Yeah, I um, feel that way too. 
You know, when we did our Christian movie month, I was still calling myself a Christian. Um, but you know, that I have wrestled with my personal beliefs since I was a kid. And it's in part because I would not feel the same way people would feel around me when we were praying or singing or, you know, people were moved to tears and I wouldn't feel anything. Like we'd gather around people and pray over them and people would be sobbing beside me just invoking the spirit is what they used to call it and I just wouldn't feel anything and I'd be I'd be like oh my god how horrible am I like and I brought it up to my pastor one time and he said I just wasn't trying hard enough (laughs) great guy by the way um Um, so then there's a part where he um like he meets a middle-aged man um at uh the same motel that he's staying at who um, successfully had been treated for cancer years before. Now, this man is played by Gord Downey. And the reason why I mention this is because for any Canadians out there, um, you guys know what happened to Gord Downey. Um, he, so he was the lead singer of The Tragically Hip, and uh, he actually died of cancer, um, I think, in the last year or so. And um, so this is a very strange... Uh, part of the film because it it almost feels like it's foretelling that Gord Downey's gonna get cancer. It's it's honestly fucking the saddest thing about this movie. Ah, see, I don't have a you know attachment to him, so I don't get it. <laughs> well, he um he was the one that I told you last week about how uh, he wrote an entire album about uh, um that uh, the kid that died. Um, oh yeah, I remember that yeah. conversation. Yeah, so that that's him. Gord Downey is a Canadian icon. Um, he, you know, singer songwriter, musician, writer, activist, and uh, he was in this movie. Um, but one of the things that he tells Ben is, if he's not sure if he's in love, then he isn't. Yeah, and one of the things that really cracked me up about this movie was when he calls uh, Sam, Samantha, and he's like, what's one thing that you compromised on with me? And she's like, oh, well, you know, I can't think of anything. He said one thing, even if it's inconsequential. And Oh, yeah. She goes, your feet stink, and I hate it, but I've never brought it up because I knew you'd be sensitive about it. And he's like, my feet don't stink. And she said, see? So this part was so fucking old. He goes to a fucking pharmacy and then goes up to the pharmacist and asks the fucking pharmacist to smell his goddamn shoe. (laughs) And the pharmacist is like, um. Okay. Okay. So then the pharmacist does it. And he's like, in my professional opinion, uh, I think you're fine. <laughs> and and like the look on 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 his face, uh, on Ben's face is just like Yes. He's I like, knew it. I fucking won. Fuck you, Samantha. <laughs> Suck it. Um Suck it. So uh, after he, you know, talks to like Gord Downey's character, um, that's when this song um comes on and it is Star's Calendar Girl. 
And uh, I'm going to go into depth about this fucking song because that's just what's going to happen. Um, so I watched this movie a lot when I was in the hospital for 10 days. Um, when I initially got diagnosed for lupus and, uh, at one point I was in the hospital bed watching the movie, listening to this song over and over again. Like I would rewind back and there's the part where it's like, um, the part where uh, I ran to the window uh, threw my head to the sky and uh, asked whoever is out there please God don't let or like please don't let me die and I guess the person who was staying in the bed next to me uh, because I like voiced this out loud uh, during my like delirium of you know the pain medications and I guess he told the nurse he was like you should probably tell her family to like come and visit her because she's very very upset and uh and that and like that is the reason why i'm laughing (laughs) i know but like that is the reason the nurse told my parents hey she's not like gonna die but like she's very like this is a tough thing and um shout out to that nurse from kentville nova scotia uh which was really weird because i i was born in kentville and then like she was from there so um, but yeah, she's the reason why my parents, uh, flew out to Victoria to come and see me when I was, uh, like die. Well, I wasn't like really dying, but like I could have died, whatever. Yeah. Lupus. Well, what's interesting about the song is like, it's right after he keeps having these nightmares about treatment and about his own death. And, yeah. you know, He's, he's having to face his mortality, and he's a relatively <coughs> young person, you know? Yeah, I think he was, like, like 30. Huh? I think, jo- like, I think he was, like, 30 at the time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're 30 years old. That's young, you yeah. know? And here you are facing the end of your mortality. Like, you have a 1 in 10 chance of surviving this. And it's, it's it's a nightmare, right? Because you don't know what's going to happen. And he's just stuck in this like cycle of fear. And it's just, I, I couldn't imagine it, you know, like to, to look, it's basically like looking down the barrel of a gun and hoping that when the trigger pulls, it's not going to kill you, you know? Yeah. Um, Um, so then he, you know, drives through the rest of, uh, Ontario, which is a big fucking juggernaut of a province, uh, and he gets to Manitoba. Fucking Tobins. Love you. Not really. Um, maybe? Whatever. Sorry. Uh, he ends up going into the hockey rink, right? Yes. So he stops at the hockey rink, goes in there, and he thinks he's having, like, a fever dream, because he sees the Stanley Cup. And that was the real Stanley Cup, by the way. Oh, man. Because the, the thing is... What a dream. Well, because... <laughs> um, so, like, the player... I forget who the player is. Uh, but they, something. Yeah, but, like, he, they had won uh, the cup. So uh, each player is allowed to, like, bring it to you know wherever like their hometown to like show off the Stanley Cup so that's what's going on and uh and he goes you know up to it and uh and the guy's like yeah well you know the guy with the like white gloves that like you know 
watches this cup like crazy. He's like outside because uh, I wanted some time alone with the cup. Um, but like you oh can boy. chill out here for a bit. And then he asks the guy or he asks Ben like, hey, do you want to like kiss the cup? And um, I've heard this. I've heard this before. That's the thing. You know, Charleston does have a hockey team and they're called the Stingrays. And uh, so we know about the Stanley Cup down here, even though we don't get ice. And yeah. essentially, the 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 uh, the saying is, "You kiss the cup, you get good luck." You know. Yeah. So <laughs> this is the reason why I have kissed the Stanley Cup. Um, but the uh, there there is a little bit of trivia about where Ben kissed, and um, he kissed the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, when they won in '67, um, which. They have not won since, by the way. And it's a fucking tragedy, okay? <laughs> it's really sad, the fact that they haven't won. Um, but yeah, so he... The plaque that he kisses is the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, which is referenced earlier in the film, uh, saying that um, they've had, you know, this dry spell all these fucking years. It's been over 50 years, okay, Leafs? Like, for fuck's sakes. It's not a dry spell. Um, <laughs> it's a also, <laughs> also, fun fact, okay, the hockey player that he meets uh, plays for the Anaheim Ducks, which is originally named after the Mighty Ducks. I knew it! Which, I which, knew it! Can, can you let me finish? Which Sorry. is one of Joshua Jackson's first films. Oh my god. I knew it when I saw ducks on his fucking uniform. That's what it reminded me of. Yep. Um, so after he kisses the cup, you think, ah, oh, you know, maybe he'll get the luck. But kissing the cup was about all the luck he got that day. Because later on, he ends up having his motorcycle break down. And he chucks his cell phone into the grass. And then it starts ringing. And... He's, he's having a bad day, so he just starts walking along, and it's fucking cold, and he finds this dead dog, and he calls the owner of the dog, and the poor woman ends up having a breakdown in the truck. Oh my god, okay. This fucking scene where she's crying is... I don't know if it's just, like, the worst acting of crying ever, or, like, that's what, how it was supposed to play as. Like, it was supposed to be a funny cry? even though it's about a dead dog. Yeah. Um, well, because, like, she's explaining how um, she's like, you know, it's funny, that dog has, you know, slept in my bed longer than uh, my two husbands did combined. And then she, like, breaks down. She's like, yeah, like, completely. That's literally what it sounds like. And, and that's the thing. They're in rural uh, Saskatchewan at that point, which is, like, He's, like, in the middle of nowhere. It's fucking fields for... Yeah. And for anybody who's ever driven across the prairies, uh, like, that's just what it looks like. It's... There's nothing Brown. for... Yeah. For, like, <laughs> fucking miles upon miles. It's... It's beautiful. Um, and, and honestly, like, best sunsets ever uh, in Saskatchewan. They're fucking gorgeous. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so... Um, well, they she end brings up having back. this conversation, you know, later on, and this is one of the women <laughs> that, I, that one of the people I mentioned earlier that after they have this like 
horseback ride and stuff, and she talks about her life and everything. She gets the urge well, to go visit her son, who she well, hasn't seen. Well, because there's a point her- where she's just like, you know, if I could get laid every once in a while, and then he, he like, you know, He's like, he doesn't. What? Wait. Well, yeah, he doesn't say anything, but she's like, "Listen, okay, I like my men XXL, and you know, I need like a pack of coolers and like no subtlety or whatever." So after they go on this horseback ride, he's like, uh, "The narrator says that like um, Ben wished that he she didn't have such a you know strict thing about how big she likes her men." And if he had a pack of coolers, because, like, he wants to have sex with her. <laughs> Which, um... Uh, but, you know, you she have doesn't a fiance. end up going off to visit her, her, her son after this visit with... Uh, after this run-in with uh, Ben. And meets the love of her life. Yep, in Fort McMurray. Fort McMurray. Which I think we mentioned last time. Uh, yeah, probably. Probably. Um, so... <laughs> Ben is, of course, not doing so well, and uh, he ends up, like, you know, they they were talking, the, the narrator was talking about how mortality can end just like that, and there's this dead skunk in the road, and Ben's obviously super tired. He runs over the skunk, and then, like, it causes the tire to slip out, and so they're like, yeah, it can end just like that, but of course he's fine. And then he gets up and he's, like, playing one of those dumbasses in a movie that does a victory dance. And then you realize, yeah, yeah, I'm an idiot. Oh, well, because the the part where, like, uh, somebody drives by and he's, like, staring at him, which I'm pretty sure, uh, like, I'm pretty sure it was, like, the director of this film. That was him. Um, but he's just like driving by staring at him and he's like, what the fuck? And then that's when Ben's like, uh, I'm going to fucking stop now. Okay. Um, so then he ends up in, uh, driving, uh, into Alberta. Um, and, uh, he stops at the largest teepee, um, which is in medicine hat. And then, uh, there was the thing about the dinosaur, um, which was, he he wasn't impressed by either. <laughs> but then it stops. Um, he stops at what they called the Badlands. And uh, that's where there's a big national park that has uh, the biggest um, like collection of dinosaur bones um, besides mm-hmm. China's Gobi Desert, which is a huge thing out here in Alberta. Um we have a museum up in Grand Prairie that's just about dinosaurs. Um, but, like, there's a lot of fucking dinosaur bones out here in Alberta. So much so that on the driver's license, there is a dinosaur. Nice. Um, uh, but I think this is after this, he ends up deciding to stay at a big hotel. And then, like, yeah. his girlfriend. Well, that's it, at his- Banff National Park um, in Alberta, which is a a very popular tourist uh, destination destination uh never go there in the summer it's really populated go to jasper instead it's better um but anyways he ends up staying at this uh, nice fancy hotel because you know what he's like fuck it i'm gonna die anyway so i'm gonna stay in a presidential suite or some shit and uh we also see like his girlfriend watching the singer on a street and then she's having flashbacks of their relationship um by the way that she ends up 
that guy sorry i don't mean to like cut you off but like these are important details they are um, not to me <laughs> well okay so the singer in that foot fl- like who is singing that is joe plaskett who is a canadian rock uh musician songwriter and he's from halifax nova scotia and i'm told he's a bit of an asshole in real life Mm-hmm. yep he was a member of uh a band in like the 90s but like he's a huge deal uh here in canada okay yep that's what i wanted to say so that's him singing there on the fucking corner yeah well uh she ends up having like these flashbacks of their relationship and so she gives him a call and that you know they they talk and he she's like hey i'll fly out to you and he's like yeah that, that sounds good well, after they get off the phone, he decides to go for a fucking walk in the woods. Well, yeah, because like he lost. was, yeah, because he wasn't like too happy about the idea of her coming, and no. the reason for that is, um, because he knows that the whole search for Grumps will sound stupid to her. Yeah, yeah. and and he knows um, like she'll be like, um, we're fucking going back home now. Um, yeah. So that is where he meets uh, a backpacker, Tracy, who is played by M. Uh, Grainer, who is another Canadian singer-songwriter um, who is known for the nineteen uh, or sorry, the nineteen ninety-eight indie hit "Summerlong," um, and she's out there like exploring the backcountry with her dog, and then uh, they go to a campsite, and she, you know, chides him for giving up too easily on his dreams. Um, and like tells him to sing with her, and it's and this French Canadian song. A decent singer, how about that? Yeah, I mean he's not great by any measure, but he's not as horrible as his fourth grade teacher, which he mentions. He's like, my fourth grade teacher lied to me. She's like, what? Never mind. <laughs> yes, um, but uh, then you know they have this conversation. And he asked her, you know, what would you do if you only had one week or one month to live? And she said, probably what I'm doing right now, you know. And then she turns the question back on him. She's like, well, what would you do? And he would, and he told her that he'd make love to her. And then they kiss. And they have sex. uh, Which. mm, He's still engaged. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know about this part. Just because I'm like, I mean, is that. Is that a smooth sort of thing to say? I don't know. It or worked like, for him. I Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I just... There is a little part of me... Uh, maybe it's because I... Yeah. I don't know. That's the thing. Samantha in this movie is not very likable. And I don't know if that's how they were, like, playing her off. Um, Because, I mean, like, she's not a bad person. She's not a bad girlfriend. She's doing everything right but like the way they play her off like that you know she's a perfectionist yeah a control freak you know like one of the things he mentions that he can't stand about her is how her jaw clicks when she eats which is something that he couldn't possibly you know like she can't possibly you know fix that it's just something that's part of her and it's like he he can't handle it, but he keeps telling himself, you know, oh, I'll get used to it, that kind of shit. Um, but anyways, so the next morning, she it turns out she had arrived earlier than expected. And, uh, and and she's like, where the fuck were you last night? Like, I got here and then 
you were nowhere to be found, right? And he admits yeah, and he, that he confesses to her. He's like, yeah, I uh, um, had sex with some random stranger in the woods, and then she 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 forgives him, like, and he's outright. like, really? you you forgive me? And, and then she he tells her that he does not love her like she loves him, and she leaves him and uh, returns home. Well, the thing about this conversation that really got me was, you know, she's like, I don't understand why you won't come home. Like, why you why you have settled into this idea that you are going to die. And he tells her that he doesn't want to be a patient yet. And she said, well, you know, you're being selfish. You're not, you're not doing what you need to be doing. Like, what about us? And he's like, listen, it's not about you. It's not about my parents. It's about me. It's about my life and what I want. And I completely completely agreed with him on that uh, yeah you know yeah that's the treatment, thing i mean treatment is not necessarily for the person that needs it sometimes it's for the people around you you know yeah and it's not selfish to say i don't want that it's not selfish to say i don't want to put myself through that because treatment is hell well, that's, that's why some people, you know, opt out of the treatment and just decide to, you know, die with dignity. Or um, I think there's, you know, there's people, too, who uh, they don't want to go through the treatment. They don't want to, you know, go through the dying process. If they know that they're going to die, sometimes, you know, they try to, um, what's a euthanasia? Um, yeah. To, which is which is legal in Canada. Um, but there's like yeah, a lot of in the States. There's a lot of like implications and like things that you have to do to get there. Um, I'm not exactly sure about how that works. Uh, Cause you know, I'm not dying of something. So, yeah. but uh, he makes his way uh, across BC towards Vancouver Island. Uh, and he, is there anything that happens in BC? Um, n- no, I mean, there's like the part he, where he's at the hotel and the people next door are being loud and he's like, yeah, and Shut then up. he gets drunk and he throws his guts up, but then he calls his mom while he's watching the Northern Lights and, and it, we're reaching the end of the movie and what ends up happening is he reaches the Pacific Ocean, you know, someone well, runs over his fucking bike and he's like at this point laughing until he cries. Well, yeah, and, so he, that's the thing. He's uh, he's on the west coast of Vancouver Island, like uh, I think Turfino, Turfino, whatever. Um, and he's at that diner and like he's unable to eat his meal. Um, and then this truck hits the motorcycle, completely wrecks it, and he's just, he feels, like, lost or whatever. Like, he's, you know. <laughs> he's like, fuck it. Um, so he, he does end up going to, like, a surf shop. Yeah. And he, he rents, rents a-, a surfboard. And then he gets on, he, he's on the beach, and he's just staring off at the ocean, and then this German couple comes up, and they... They ask him to take a picture, so he does. And the thing about the German couple is they end up living a long, happy life together. And even though times get hard, they look back at that picture that he took and they're reminded of the good times and that it's all worth it and they love each other. (laughs) It's sweet and sentimental. But then he, he goes out into the water and then he just starts paddling and paddling and paddling and paddling until he is in the middle of the fucking ocean and you cannot see anything but ocean and mist around him. And then he sees 
uh, a humpback whale dramatically breach the surface. And then he remember remembers that his father had said to him as a child that anyone who uh, searched for Grumps uh, would know him when they see him. And uh, that is when Ben is satisfied that he had found uh, the Grump and decides that he's going to return home. Yeah. And then he, he, head, he heads <coughs> back home. And the first person he sees is Samantha. And they officially kind of break it off. And then she's like, she's like, you know what's going to suck about this. And he says, what? She's like, everyone's going to think that I'm the woman that dumped her fiance because he got cancer. And then he's like, no, nobody's going to think that. And she's She's like, like, I I would think that. Yeah. Um, To be fair, a lot of people would think that. (laughs) Probably. Um, So then they break up and he goes home to see his family and his dad, his mom and his sisters there. Um, and they just put on the brave smile. Yeah, and then the final sequence uh, reveals that the movie's narrator, which is Campbell Scott, um, is recording the final chapter of an audiobook uh, revealed to be One Week by Ben Tyler and is the memorial or the memoir of his motorcycle yeah. trip. And the last words on the screen before the credits. It, it's the camera rolling up to a blackboard, and the blackboard says, To strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. And that's, that's the That's how end it of, ends. Yeah. We have no idea what happens once well, that, he starts we don't, his treatment. Well, that's the if thing. If he starts his treatment or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, so we don't we don't know kinda. if he lived or died. or it, And I th- that's, you know, kind of just how it was. Yeah, it's ambiguous, which I appreciate. You know, I, I appreciate an ambiguous ending every now and then if it works. And I feel like it works here. You can you can insert your own ending. You know, you can say, oh, he he lived every life to his life to the fullest. And he was, you know, able to beat the cancer. You know, you can say he wasn't able to do it. But look what he accomplished before he died. You know, there's that. Um, I didn't get any trivia for this. And Ajeline has been inserting trivia throughout the whole thing. I, so. I said basically all of the trivia. Um but I do want to, I do want to like uh, say one thing. This was kind of a a goof that apparently happened. Um, but I guess uh, the the part where he rolls What's up the, the rim in this movie, uh-huh. um, it, it's Tim Hortons roll up the rim to win, which happens in both March and in November, and neither month uh, is represented in this movie, so. Like, that's considered, you know, a goof, Uh, which I thought to myself, too. I was like, well, that's weird because roll up the rims in, like, March, and this is not March, so. (laughs) I mean, it's March to me. It could be, anyway. I mean, I guess. I live in the South. (laughs) Well, that's Um, that's the thing. This, This movie is, it is Canada at its core. Like, the music's Canadian. Yeah. Um, the, like the, the two main, you know, people in this movie is Joshua Jackson and Canada. Like that's, you know, what happens in most of this movie. Like there's other actors, but I mean, really. Yeah. So, uh, I'll run the tests and then, um, we'll discuss if it was a good movie or not because you indisperse the trivia throughout. Um, 
So, the Bechdel test, two named female characters on screen alone talking about something other than a man. This fails. There's only really two named women, or three, if you count Fran. I forgot about her for a minute. Fran was the lady whose dog died. Um, but they never meet on screen together, and we never see Samantha talking to anyone with a name or a woman, you know. Well, so. other than, like, his family, but they don't. Yeah. I mean, they have names, but... It doesn't count. Yeah. It's, it's a fail. Uh, then we have the racial backdell test. Two named people of color on screen alone talking about something other than a white person. And there are no people of color in this movie that have names. There are some people of color that are side characters or not even really side characters, but just like uh, there was the Native American gentleman who was, uh, you know, beating the drum with the redwood trees. Yep. Uh, then we have the Makomori test, which is a named female character who has agency and is part of the plot, and it's not about pushing a male narrative forward. Unfortunately, Samantha's only plot purpose is to push Ben's plot forward, so it's a fail. Yeah. Uh, DuVernay test, person of color who has agency and whose story isn't about pushing a white narrative. Um, there are no people of color with names or agency in this movie. Sexy Lamp. Can you get rid of a named female character um, and it not take away from the plot? You could definitely take away Tracy. Like, you could leave that entire part out and just, you know, have him stay in the woods and then come back and be like, hey, we can't get married because, like, the first thought in my head after I found out I had cancer was call off the wedding, you know? So, I'm going to say that's a fail, too. And then a Vito Russo test, LGBTQA uh, plus, or now it's a gender sexual uh, romantic minority, GSRM. Yeah. Um, uh, Do they have any representation in the film? Do they matter to the plot? Are they more than a stereotype? There are no representatives of any gender sexuality or romantic minority, so it's a fail. It fails Uh, every single thing. It it didn't pass anything. It yep. di- it didn't pass a one. But you know what? It was a good movie. Yeah, that's it's, the thing. Not... I even though it like doesn't you know uh, pass any of the tests, like I still fucking love this movie. It is good. Now for Ashley, of course, it has sentimental value, and that's why it's her favorite film. Like it's a good movie to me, but I don't have that sentimental attachment to it. Yeah, but I will say. One of my one of my favorite movies is what we're going to be doing in December. So, like, probably top two. Which one's and, that? Uh, uh, the Green Mile, which you've oh. never seen. So, you're going to cry your eyes out. But, damn, it's a good movie. I've seen oh. parts. Huh? It's one of those movies that, like, you know, I has been on TV a lot. So, like, I've seen parts of it, but I haven't seen, like... Yeah, watching it all the way through is very affecting. Yeah. And it's got a lot of great themes, even though it's a Stephen King movie. So, uh, but that's for a long time away. It's only it's only the end of May now. Um, now, next week uh, starts our GSRM month, LGBTQA+, whatever you want to call it, um, Gender Sexual Romantic Minority Month. And we are going to be doing a Canadian film that is also about LGBTQA+, and it is called 
Mambo Italiano, right, Angeline? Yep. That's what it's called. All right. So we're kind of doing like a crossover thing that we did with the musical on Black History Month last uh, January, February. So that's what we're doing. Um, now, uh, you can check us out. I am on Twitter at South of Grace. You can check out our Patreon, the Feminist Critique Podcast dot Patreon dot com. You can, or the Feminist Critique dot Patreon dot com. You can check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Feminist Critique Podcast. Our Gmail account, if you want to send us an email, which is the Feminist Critique Podcast at gmail.com. We have a Discord, which is going to be in the description of this podcast episode. So if you have the Discord app, all you have to do is look at the description, click on the invite link, and you can go to our Discord where we have movie suggestions, TV show suggestions for our Patreon pilots, all of this fun stuff. We really just want to create a community of listeners and people who are interested in film or feminism and just have a discussion, you know? So that's uh, that's it I got on my end. Ajeline? Uh, yep, we're also on Twitter as Feminist Pod, and I am both on Twitter and Instagram as Ajeline's, A-I-S-L-E-N-E-S, and uh, and my drag persona is uh, on Instagram as Aurora Borealis. Um, and I think that's it. All right. So we will see you guys next week. Um, and I uh, hope you have a great one. Bye. Bye. Bye.